Welcome to Healthcare Hacks and Connections Podcast. Here you will learn all things podcasting, acquire amazing tips and tricks required to transform your podcast into an essential tool to grow your business. On this show, we will bring in expert guests from across the healthcare spectrum. They will share their personal stories, discuss their struggles, and give real examples of how a podcast helped to grow their business. Now let's head into this week's episode. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today, we have a special guest with us, Jennifer George. Jennifer is a compassionate, focused physiotherapist with vast experiences in the private and public sector of care. She has spent the last 13 years learning and reflecting on the importance of communication in our health and educational systems. And she is a mentor to the future and current healthcare providers on discovering their purpose, achieving fulfillment, and creating the best patient experience. And she is a great communicator, and she really exudes that through her podcast, the Healthcare Provider Happy Hour podcast. And she is also an established author with an Amazon bestseller, Communication is Care, Nine Empowering Strategies to Guide Patient Healing. Well, Jennifer, I just want to welcome you on to the podcast. And if you could just besides the introduction there, can you tell the listeners about yourself and what it is that you do? Yeah. Hi, Nate. So thanks so much for having me here. I'm really excited to be here and chat with you a bit. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so I'm a physiotherapist, as you said, I've been practicing for the last 13 years. I really believe what's made me unique in this role is my caregiving journey that happened at the same time as becoming mm-hmm. a physiotherapist. So yeah. at the outset of my career, when people are worried about finding a job and getting settled in their work, I was also moving back home from school and helping my dad with his health needs with my mom. So I had to move back in with my parents after school. What I thought would be short term was pretty long term. It was over 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I was grateful to do it while it was challenging, but it really shaped my practice. And I didn't realize it until I reflected how much it did impact my practice until like my dad passed in 2018. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, thank you. And it just all came to me and I really had some kind of divine messaging or intervention, you could say. I believe it was my dad who told me to write this book. And basically put this in writing and it was basically a a self-reflection of who I am and, and my practice every day. Yeah. And you know what? I think that also reflects in your podcast, definitely with you talking about the daily struggles that a clinician deals with, the burnout, the perfectionism that we try to hold ourselves to sometimes. And we see others in the clinic too that are going above and beyond or or whatnot. And we're like, man, we have to compete with them. We have to keep up to their standard. And it's like, sometimes you just got to give yourself grace. And you think that you communicate that well in your podcast. So going back to the podcast, why did you uh, start it? That's a good question. So after I wrote my book, I wrote my book and launched it in June, 2019. And I thought, and I referenced this as well in the book, is that if a healthcare provider is feeling out of alignment within themselves, if they're not feeling like they're practicing from a place of purpose and legacy, and they've lost a sense of self, then it will probably impact their communication. So mm-hmm. that was where I felt like in my book, I didn't give enough support to. Like I explained more about communication and how to get the most out of your patient experiences through that. 
but I also thought that the podcast would be a better way for me to support providers in their role in doing so. Whereas the book is more about the patient mm-hmm. more so, and, and the interactions that happen directly there. So that's where that branched from. And I've been doing that since October, 2019. And I got to tell you, like, I'm not top on the downloads list or anything like that. And I've been at it for almost uh, two years now, when you think about it, a year and a half. So I definitely yeah. don't do it for that. I do it because for me, it's another medium yep. to get my messaging out there. And if one person hears it, two people hear it, and it impacts their practice in a good way, then it's worth it for me right now. So yeah, I just want to highlight that, you know, you're not going for the downloads. You're not going for the crazy amounts of subscribers and things like that, rankings and everything. You're doing it because you feel like you're called to do it. Exactly. Exactly. Right? Yeah, I'm stepping into that. And I don't have any idea how it turns out, right? I just step into it and just speak it. And I yeah. like that. And I have like people that listen to it and they and they're the ones that matter. And that's basically who I'm speaking to when I'm talking in on the show. So yeah. Okay. And that's great. And just like you said, if you're affecting just even one person, that's the same thing with me here. Like if I'm affecting one person to go create a podcast, go create their social media, whatever it is that they need to go do to help that patient, their client, whoever that is out there, that's my win. That's all I want. That's all I need. And imagine Nate, if all of us could get like, kind of get out of our own way and do that, the impact we would have. And that's kind of what I hope I give other clinicians permission to do through my podcast to speak their truth, yeah, their voice. And we're not for everybody. I'm not for everybody. My podcast isn't for everybody, but you are definitely for somebody. And I really do believe that people who come into your path yep. are meant to come into your path. And that's patience included for me too. So, yeah. Yeah. So how do you think podcast can benefit, say a healthcare provider or a a clinic? That's a good question. For me personally, I think it just keeps me current. It keeps me engaged. It keeps me conscious. And I think that's a big thing. And I, that's what I hope to elevate is some, this consciousness in clinicians when they're practicing, not just showing up through the, the motions. And if they are showing up through the motions to be aware of that through the podcast, right? And understand that too is normal sometimes to do that. But yeah, I think for probably for clinics and whatnot, it could be used as a marketing tool, but I really think that the authenticity comes through on podcasts. It's a very intimate type of medium compared Mm -hmm. to writing because you are in a listener's ear, Mm -hmm. like someone to listen to me first thing in the morning that like, that's a big deal to me, right? Yeah. (laughs) Telling you that today. And that means a lot to me because you'd rather hear my voice to be one of the first voices you hear when you wake up in the morning. That's incredible. I think it can create another type of therapeutic alliance with potential clients, Yeah. but also for other staff and team members to see what you're all about as well. Definitely. And what would be cool too, is to bring on those staff on so then if there is a patient out there that's listening, they also hear their point of view and they're like, well, I liked what he had to say about this, about the shoulder or whatnot. And I'm dealing with a shoulder injury. So I want to actually schedule with him versus yeah. someone else. Yeah. It's a great way to advertise that way too. Mm-hmm. And I and just listening to the person behind the voice. I feel like you create a sense of trust there as a patient listening, even if it's for the first time, I really, mm-hmm. it's, it's a genuine connection that could be felt for someone. So 
yeah, it might be inclined for patients to reach out. Yeah. And then I liked also about your podcast is you talked about burnout and then addressing it in a clinical setting of just checking in with everyone around you. Like, how are they doing? Things like that. Just those simple questions really help. So if you're getting that little exercise in a podcast that's for the clinic, like that would go a long way, I feel like. Totally. And I think feels like burnout management and prevention rests solely on the shoulders of providers, which makes it very individual. Mm-hmm. And I lately speaking more about how it could be more integrative and more a part of your everyday practice, not yes. just what you do pre-post practice, right? Um, yep. but so during practice, so things like autonomy to me are really important in your practice as a clinician, you know, self-governing, right? Your schedule, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, only you know what you need. So if you have that ability in practice, I think that's huge in terms of minimizing burnout, but even just creating a sense of team, openness, non-judgment, empathy, and just understanding because you're not alone. That's the thing with burnout is not everybody talks about it. Yeah. You're not alone. And that's the thing is like, I hope more people like say that is that you're not alone. You're, there's burnout, there's depression, there's all this stuff that goes on in a clinic's clinician's brain. I think people speaking up about it helps other people speak up about it. Or we're dealing with this racial issues that were, that were going on this year. And it's speaking up on that stuff too, versus the patient's always right type of mentality. And oh, it's very linear. It's only this and, it's, and that's it. Yeah. yeah. I totally agree. It opens up dialogue and conversation. And I think mm-hmm. we invite people to talk more and share their voice more yep. uh, and uh, not be so siloed. I think, right. I think we're realizing now more than ever with this pandemic that we yeah. need each other and we can't do it alone as a profession as well. Yep. And that's the whole premise of this podcast is to join everyone in healthcare together because the number one thing that we need to do is to help the patient. It's not inner fighting between each other type of stuff that is very childish, to be honest, but... I agree. And I, I, oh, I could rant on this. This is something that (laughs) (laughs) I don't, but I could, and I did, I put out a clip somewhere on SoundCloud like three or four years ago during a commute because I was so fed up with people competing online and thinking that by bashing another practitioner, that makes you look better. And I have to say that that really speaks to the integrity of the person doing that. Mm -hmm. If I'm I'm an insider looking in or I'm a prospective patient reading that. I'd be thinking, well, could they do that to me, right? Could I really Mm -hmm. trust this person? So I know it can be a competitive world out there in healthcare still. And and I'm really hoping through the podcast that I break those barriers a little bit. And that's why I'm not so specific with just, I'm a physiotherapist, but I'm not so just physio specific. And that's why I talk about things like the shoulder because that's already been done. And that is not where I can be of most use for people. So many other people can do that. And I'm quite fine with that. So, yeah, definitely. And it's like, you know what you're good at and that's what you, you use your skill, right? There's yeah. people that are good at all those other things and filming themselves and, and them doing exercises. And, you know, you, you, that's great. Good on you. You know, there's yeah. someone out there for everybody. Yeah. Yep. So I want to bring it back to, I guess, an interview you had a year and a half ago an interview, but you were a guest there. And so you were on Oprah or you were invited to the book. 
totally random. It wasn't even an interview. I wasn't even a guest. It was more like I was an audience member. Yeah. Um, but how that happened was, so Oprah does her book clubs, right? Mm-hmm. So just pre-pandemic, what she was doing is after the book would be read uh, with the book club, she would actually have an interview with the author and she would invite guests to come out and watch the interview. Mm-hmm. And so it was such a small, intimate setting, which made it even that much more mm-hmm. uh, amazing. But yeah, so I just got picked randomly to to participate as an audience member. And it was mm-hmm. by chance that I was able to, I knew that the potential could have been there for me to speak, but you just didn't know. They were kind of like, if you're chosen, you're just going to speak. And I, yeah. and I just did. <laughs> I got chosen by the grace of God, in my opinion. Again, that whole, how it all transpired was beyond me for sure did you so what you spoke about did you already like have that in your head like okay if i get called this is what i'm going to say or was it like spur of the moment and you're just like here it is so what i did was i had a reflection written on the book prior to it was quite a lengthy reflection on how it impacted my practice and my life with my Mm -hmm. dad it was kind of kind of similar it's a fictional book but it was i could relate it a lot to my, my personal professional life and then not knowing what would come up, what question would be asked of me, that's kind of what came to mind. I didn't have those literal words written, but the premise was there. That statement that she says in the book, tell me what it's like to be you, was mm-hmm. something that I literally like want, like continue to want to integrate into my practice because it's so inviting. And that's yeah. when- yeah, that's when I realized uh, I just wanted to say that and speak on that. So. I don't know. If, is, is that the reason that like your recent episode about allowing the patient to speak their story? Yeah, I mean, I've always, if you've read my book, I'm all about patient story. I'm all uh-huh. about journey. I really think that this is another good example. I had a patient most recently, mm-hmm. I had a cancellation in my schedule and I work on inpatient rehab units. So I work in hospital. So I had a cancellation of my schedule. A new patient had come in that I was supposed to see. And I was getting mixed information, sounded kind of complex. And I thought, I'm going to go chat with this patient because I'm getting mixed information. So since I have extra time, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go chat with this patient. And Nate, I walked in, I introduced myself. I asked if I could participate in his care and, and do an assessment together. And I um, asked him how he was doing. And he said, I'm pissed off. Literally, that was, that was what oh, wow. came out of his mouth. And I thought, oh my goodness. And then I knew in that moment, just listening to that, that I just need to listen. And I literally stood there for an hour of my mm-hmm. time, objective, just listening to his subjective. And he went through his whole story. And what people don't understand is the subjective is so important. The patient story is so important because I didn't even have to touch him to know what he was capable of at that time because he told me and he told me in more ways than one and so whenever you have time to learn more and it could be over the course of sessions it doesn't have to necessarily happen as it did in that moment for me I just got lucky with having more Mm -hmm. time that is completely guiding and that's where it's healing for patients and it minimizes stress on staff and the patient unnecessary length of stays in hospitals, mm-hmm. things like that, right? So it, it impacts both. And that when patients are demonstrating emotion in that way, I want to know more about that. It's helpful for both of us as much as they're willing to share. So yeah. definitely. And I think 
if as clinicians, if you listen more, you'll normally find out without the special tests and stuff, but you'll find out a lot more about the patient than you realize just by, yeah. by sitting there 10 minutes, just listen, let them tell their story. Yeah. And when I don't get that opportunity to do that, I feel very lost in my, in that session. And I'll say that too, like yeah. I'm that way. Yeah. And then do you feel like then the linearness of your education kind of kicks in? It's like, okay, well, this is what it's telling me this, right? Right. So I find that if you can center around your patient, then the empowerment part of it mm-hmm. is easier. They're more willing to listen. They're more willing to uh, comply and participate. They're more willing to give you information and be forthcoming yeah. rather than withholding and be a partner in care rather than just me providing care. So motivation changes a little bit too throughout, throughout the stay with me. That's part of the goal. I love it. That's why she's the expert communicator over here. All right. So can you share with the the listeners your story or relationship that has formed from your podcast, or let's even say from you being this communicator or even your book? Wow. A relationship in what way? Like any type. Okay. You can go say professional, you can say personal, anything. Yeah. I mean, I've shared my book with a lot of people since I've written it and it's touched a lot of lives personally and professionally. I mean, people sending me excerpts from the book to tell me that this happened. It's kind yeah. of cool to receive, but in terms of relationships, like I've had some interesting guests on who have really enlightened me. Like most recently I had Barbara Kazam on, she was a customer service investigator. So she actually is from the States. She's from California. Oh, and, there we go. Yeah. And she works with healthcare practices on nice. how to improve the patient experience. So we had a good conversation about communication interactions. Yeah. And it was interesting to me because I've never heard it referenced as a customer service investigator, right? I've, in terms of the role, her role wasn't really clinical. It's not where she came from in terms of her background, but she yep. also had a personal tie to healthcare through her mom and that mm-hmm. just her mom. And that's where I really connected with her because that was my journey with my dad and it impacted my practice, right? And and those personal experiences we go through are not meant to be separate. They're meant to be integrated and you can learn from them and help somebody else through them, right? Exactly. And you know what? One of my mentors, my boss that he had, uh, Eric Rodriguez, he always told me within that first minute of saying hi, that interaction, that's where the trust is built. It is. Yeah. It takes seconds for that. Yep. To yeah. It takes seconds. So if you don't even come off confident in that little hello, and then maybe asking about like, oh, how was your last session? Or is this the first time you're going to PT, anything like that? And caring about them that way, instead of just like, okay, well, what's your range of motion here? Right. Exactly. <laughs> clinical all the time right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah I'm all about conversation more so than clinical and I do catch myself speaking clinical sometimes yeah I'm more aware of it and I think that's the biggest thing I want practitioners to know is it's not that we're bad right I'm not saying that what you're doing is wrong or anything like that but mm-hmm. what I'm saying is to just be a little more self-aware um, mm-hmm. that makes all of the difference is starting with yourself and then you'll be able to better understand others as you interact with them and try to empathize and motivate. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, like when I was in clinic, I used to always ask the patient if we were just coming off the weekend, it's like, how was your weekend? What'd you go do? Yeah, I did this and it felt good or, or, and that's also me picking up on clues like, okay, what did they do that they shouldn't have done? is that gives that would be giving me clues as to what I could integrate in their care plan. What do they enjoy? True. Um, I'm not putting you on the spot. I'm just saying that's the way I think. And yeah. I really believe that connection in its highest form stems uh-huh. from those little like commonalities, conversations yep. about family, hobbies. Nobody wants to be in the hospital. I know no. that. Yeah. I try my best to empathize with, with each and every patient in that regard. So yeah. Would patients take risks that I don't agree with? I don't blame them. I mean, I can totally see myself doing the same thing. And I have that dialogue with them. But yeah, so it's empathizing. Yeah. Anything, right? Yep. Yep. So I want to bring it back to your book. And what has the power of writing given to you? Oh, that's a good question. I've always written, like I've always enjoyed writing. Mm-hmm. And I always told myself I would write a book. I never knew what it would be about. And I don't know if this is the only book I'll read. I don't think it will be, but time will tell. <laughs> and uh, so writing for me, I journal daily. So for me, it's healing, it's relaxation, it's releasing, it's recovery for me. Mm-hmm. And it's being in gratitude and being present for me. So the, I usually write at the beginning of my day. I would probably benefit to you from writing at the end of my day. Uh, mm-hmm. But I got to be honest and say, I don't do that much. So when I'm on the exercise bike, <laughs> usually first thing in the morning at 5, 5.30 a.m., I'm writing and you know, I'm just writing whatever comes to mind and I'm always giving gratitude in my writing, but I'm also like just asking questions in general about my own purpose. Like I'm putting it out there, right? Or I'm declaring what it is that I, I hope to accomplish or just to be there for someone in the best way possible today. Yep. I do ask for grace and for guidance every single day because I can't do it alone and I know I'm not alone. So definitely, definitely know you're not alone and the writing it out definitely helps. I mean, I, I've done that recently and it really did help. It helped clear out my mind just because there's a lot of stuff that can happen up here. A lot of stuff. And it can be you a know? lot of brilliant stuff. So just write whatever comes to mind. Uh, that's something I'm learning to do and not try to keep it all up there. Is just try to write it, and I and it could be random too. I can write throughout the day, or if I've listened to something and it's triggered something in me, I'll write write it out just on a little notepad or something nearby. And that's always there, I think, too. You don't quite lose that. I prefer that over my phone. Yeah, um, audio. There's something yep. about writing for me that connects my mind and memory and spirit. De- really. Definitely. Was well, interesting, and I don't know if I heard it on your podcast or man, it might've been uh, another podcast, but it was like, who is that person that talks in your head? Like, oh, who is that person talking to? Right. Conversation with yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And learning about them. Yeah. <laughs> Be curious, right? About yourself and what you're thinking and what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. One chapter in the book is on self-reflection. That's the, the final chapter of the book. And I believe that as a healthcare provider, it's a must. Mm-hmm. It's worth it if you can invest your time in it. And it, you don't judge it. You just write and let it out. You can reflect on what went well, what what didn't go so well, ways to improve, but without being judgmental. Just letting it, like writing it and letting it go yeah, um, is really helpful. Got it. And so 
now we're now we'll switch it to the kind of your Instagram and stuff like that. So what has that done for you in your business? Yeah, for personal, professional. Yeah. Um, so my Instagram is probably my biggest following and it's the one I'm most present on. So mm. it's really allowed me to connect with a lot of wonderful people, truthfully. Um, so I've made professional connections, also personal connections through Instagram. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the platform quite a bit because I find it very, it can be very authentic. I also find it can be the opposite. (laughs) I choose not to engage there. I've connected with a lot of professionals in the field, in physio, a lot of wonderful people. And for me, it's just, I feel like it's just allowed me yet another medium to express myself, my views, my perspectives and help people wherever they're at in their practice with respect to communication and burnout prevention. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love writing. So it's also another social media is another form of writing for me. So, yeah. um. So with the social media, do you ever fall in? You talked about this on one of your podcasts is the perfectionism. Like, okay, this post has to go this certain way or something like that. Do you ever fall into that? Or do you just like whatever you feel like writing? You're just like, all right, here, I'm going to take a picture of this. Boom. And then, yeah. All right. Yeah. It's pretty much like that. So I had a coach last year who was coaching me a little bit on Instagram. I mean, that was her area too. As oh, cool. It's part of my own business coaching overall. And I couldn't pre, like, I just couldn't do my posts in advance. It just wasn't for me because I am a very, as you can tell, things just come to me. And as they come to me, that's when I need to put it out there. Yeah. Uh, I can't pre in advance put content out there that just hits me when it does. So uh, in real life experience doesn't happen that way. So that's been hard for me. So I cut back on how often I post. So when I was mm-hmm. posting her, I was posting like five days a week, at least five to six. And then I felt a bit burnt out by that, to be honest. So, mm-hmm. And that's when I realized I can post two or three times a week. I can share my stories a little more often. Yeah, People really value my relationship with them and they value what I have to say. They'll stick around because everyone's just as busy. Yeah. <laughs> And my following, you can say, I guess, hasn't, it's only increased and I haven't put more content out there. So I'm meeting myself where I'm at there and and having compassion for myself and my time. And it doesn't feel like work, right? Because I actually enjoy Instagram and I enjoy those social connections. I don't want that to go away. And then I want to highlight something that you said is, is about like, you can enjoy Instagram and there's other parts where you can enjoy it, but you don't participate in it. I don't. Yeah. I just choose not to, if it doesn't give me any good energy in that sense, or yes. if it brings me, or if it makes me feel bad about myself or whatever, yep. reason, I just choose not to engage. It doesn't mean that the content is bad. It doesn't mean that I'm not judging the post or the person, yeah. but I know myself best. <laughs> yeah. And it's never anything personal for me. Definitely. And you know what? I talked about that on a previous podcast and it was just me and it was uh, just about auditing your social media because yeah. you can easily just hit the unfollow button if you don't like it and just it's gone forever. Yeah, exactly. Out of sight, out of mind. And and it opens up space for something else or for someone else or for other opportunities. And that's what I've learned too is decluttering, not physically only, but through social media and just any other energy or boundaries that you've got to set out there for yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a little bit more space and time for you. 
So how has like the podcast, your Instagram and all that, how has that helped, let's say, increasing your profits, but mainly lead people to work with you with your communication? I think it's like course or summit. I don't know. What would you call it? Well, I, right now. So that's the thing. So last year I thought I wanted to coach people. I'm going to be, yeah. I'm, this is the first time I've ever put this out there. So, <laughs> so last year, that's what I did. So I invested in coaching and then I started mentoring a little bit kind of coaching for free in a way. And I realized I don't want to coach people. I do that already in my clinical practice. And I love that. I love yeah. being a coach from the physio standpoint. Mm-hmm. And I just found coaching on top of that was a bit too much for me because I was taking on other people's energy and it was a little too heavy. Mm-hmm. So I then made the conscious decision to stop that, although my website will stay coaching still, that needs to be updated. But I've now shifted and I think what I really want to move towards is more education. Cool. And yeah, so doing webinars, doing live trainings, that's kind mm-hmm. of what I would prefer. I'm also open to more community building and just having bigger conversations with more people mm-hmm. rather than just one-on-one because I, again, I don't think I know everything and I don't think that I can help everyone, but maybe I can connect someone to someone who can, right? Yeah. And, and when I wrote my book, it was from that, that standpoint of impact. I, if I, if what I'm doing is helping my patient, imagine if I could educate other practitioners on this and then help their patients and then the mass impact that would have. So yeah, that's kind of always been my goal is to create a more diverse impact that way. Got it. I love it. And that impact is more deep rather than wide. Right. So I just, what I share is pretty, like you said, pretty deep. And then I just hope it works its way through everybody else. And I can share that impact with everyone. I mean, I hope what I can offer enhances people's practice. People's mm-hmm. practices are already good, mm-hmm. but I'm hoping is for like giving those final touches, those things that people don't really think about to kind of add that into their practice and dialogue with patients. Yeah. So let's bring it back to the burnout question and all that. So with, with the pandemic and everything going on, how would you say to give a tip to the clinicians that are listening, what tip would you give them that could help with their burnout if they are going through it, or even to find out that they are going through it to how to to address it? That's a good question. So burnout can come in various degrees, but like I've seen it written as like first degree, second degree, third degree. There's so much, so much research around burnout, but mm-hmm. also everybody's different, yet we probably all experience in healthcare touches of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen situations, I had one girl on my podcast, it was actually a really good one with Michelle that was worthwhile hearing because she had, I would say, third degree burnout where she literally learned to read, write. Again, she was a mental health advocate working in the corporate world too, I think at the time, and just kept suppressing it, right? Like feeling like things were off, but just kept plowing through because that's what we do. Mm -hmm. And healthcare providers have to be really careful because, and have this self-awareness because we are like that. We're there for others, right? So we forget ourselves sometimes. Mm -hmm. And the other part about that is sometimes healthcare professionals feel unfit if they feel like they might be burning out. Mm -hmm. Uh, and asking for help is not an easy thing, which is why I recommend people check in yeah. with healthcare providers. And so I think the biggest thing is to connect 
that's one of the big things. So connect with people that you trust in your workplace. It only takes one person yeah. that you could express that to. And if it's getting to the point where it's more clinical, like your mental health is becoming an issue, depression, anxiety, things like that, and you might want to seek specific mental health services. Mm -hmm. And a lot of organizations will have like access to that. But again, it's hard, but asking for help is probably the hardest thing you'll have to do. It could also be asking for time off. Like for me this week, I asked for extra time off. So ask for what you need to, because you never know if it'll be granted or if it could be negotiated or whatever it is, because again, everybody is experiencing it probably or has and can empathize with that. So if Mm -hmm. they can you and you're a viable part of practice, they're going to do what they can to help you, I would think. Yeah. And I just want to bring this up too, is like, if you don't verbalize it, no one knows. So silent. Yeah, exactly. And, but that part is so hard and that part doesn't happen if it happens at all until you've maybe had to be off work, right? Or it's come to that point and there's nothing wrong with that. I would prefer people do that after to heal and reassess, reevaluate. I know that I know for some people who haven't felt comfortable being on my podcast, but who I communicate with on Instagram, who really like took taken themselves out of the profession or out of a profession and really needed like a lot of time to recover and find something else to do. Yes. Yeah. I mean, healthcare needs healthcare providers. So my goal (laughs) is always to keep people in healthcare if possible. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, with those people that reached out that some of them pivoted or went in different directions, that's okay too. Totally. It's totally okay. I mean, people change, right? Like I think gone are the days where you work in one job for 30 years. I come from family where that was common. And so the first five years, I pivoted a lot within physio, like Mm -hmm. public sector, private sector. I did like clinic, long-term care. I did all of that within my first five years. And I had to do that in order to know where I was meant to be. And I think that's another part that practitioners need to do is not jump into anything because everybody else is doing it. Yep. Yep. So, and we'll bring it back to the podcast here is like, where do you see your podcast going in the future? That's a good question. I'm hoping to have more guests actually. So like this week, for example, Mm. yeah, totally. This week, for example, I have a psychiatrist in Australia who reached out to me to share his burnout prevention model. There you uh, go. So this is the thing, right? Like there's a lot of stuff out there that we just don't know about when it comes to burnout. And there's almost too much out there that it can be overwhelming. Uh-huh. <laughs> and one of the things that I may I say that I think I do well is simplify things for people. I can simplify very complicated situations mm-hmm. uh, for others in my practice, but also personally too. I can see the big picture. So that's kind of, I think, what I try to bring to my podcast all of the time is the big picture, not the fine details that we get hung up over, but more guests for sure. I'm all about the intersection of burnout and communication. So just elaborating more on that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just welcoming more guests on is probably the biggest thing who are willing to share their burnout story because it is pretty intimate. Not a lot of people are comfortable with it. Yeah. But is there some guests that like you would love to have on? Like, is there someone that you're like, oh man, I would die to have them on or something like that? Nobody like famous or anything like that that's well known. No, but people that I do want on my podcast, I've reached out to. Okay. Uh, I don't hesitate. I'll ask them awesome. pretty straightforward. I tell them what I like about what I see. Yeah. 
invite them on. And if it's a yes, great. If it's a no, it might be another time. Usually there it's more like it's not the right time. That's yeah. usually a common answer. And like I said, it can be a little intimate for some people, depending on if it's a personal story request, Yep. Yep. which is totally, totally understandable too. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, Jennifer, I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast and talking about burnout, perfectionism, the patient's story and your story as well. It's been great to hear. And I hope the listeners, I hope you guys got a lot out of that. Um, If you guys are dealing with burnout, speak up about it and it's okay. Yeah, it's totally okay. We got you. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You can follow me on Instagram. My handle's at best obsessed with Jen. And I think in the show notes, Nate, you can add some links there, right? <laughs> yep. Yep. I'll definitely put that in there. And then if the people want to work with you, how can they do that? Uh, Instagram's fine. You can go to my website, jenniferdorf.co and just hit contact and mm-hmm. then send me an email there. And I'm pretty good at responding. Perfect. Sure. All right. And then for the listeners out there, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe for more episodes. And we'll see you on the next one. See you guys. For more inspiring conversations like this one, I invite you to join my free Facebook group, Healthcare Hacks and Connections. Also, be sure to subscribe, rate, review on Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Lastly, be sure to follow our socials on Instagram, the podcast underscore doc and Nate Novice on Facebook. Thank you and have a great day.